0: This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress.
1: We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives.
0: And now the conversation begins. This is Episode 89. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays.
1: And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today, we're joined by Charlie Reisinger. Charlie serves as the Director of Technology for Penn Manor School District in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. His first book, The Open Schoolhouse, chronicles more than 15 years of open source learning programs at Penn Manor. Welcome, Charlie. Hi there.
2: Hi,
0: Charlie. It's nice to meet you and have you on Hallway Chats, and I'm really excited to hear about what you're doing. It sounds cool. Can you tell us more about yourself?
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you again for uh, spending some time with me this afternoon. Uh, My day job is the director of technology for Penn Manor School District. We're located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And my role here as part of the senior leadership team is to oversee our technology operations and our instructional technology programs. Um, My work takes me... Uh, from the server room to the classroom and just about everywhere in between uh, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I can oversee programs and policies, but also have uh, The time and uh, in many ways the autonomy to work with students and are uh, actually <laughs> I should say with our, uh, our super students our terrific teachers
0: What's your background? How did you get started in technology?
2: Sure, sure. Um, So I came to this position in, I guess, a peculiar way. Uh, I am not a technologist or a programmer by training. My undergraduate degree is in psychology uh, and I also had a philosophy minor. (laughs) And now my master's degree is in instructional design and technology. So that's uh, really the study of the intersection between uh, pedagogy and technology. Um, but I certainly did not um, think when I was in college that uh, that I would be heading up a technology program. But I guess by a series of strange swerves, I uh, ended up here, and and that's awesome. <laughs> Charlie, you
1: shared that you have a an undergrad in psych uh, and and philosophy, and a in a graduate degree in instructional design and technology. And I wonder, as you came to your job, did you get into working with the school district as a technologist or and then discover your love of uh, teaching and the kind of the intersectionality of that? Or how did that come about?
2: Uh, somewhat. Um, it was both. Uh, when I started at Penn Manor School District, um, it was in 1998, and I was hired as a building technician. So the sole focus of my job was to provide uh, desktop and network support for our students and teachers. However, before I arrived here, um, I was the IT director for a small two-year school um, that is that is now part of the Art Institutes. Um, the name of that school is Bradley Academy for the Visual Arts in York, Pennsylvania. And there I had a role that was deeply embedded into both technology management, but also working side by side with students and teachers. Um, but I think, you know, even stepping way back, I've always been interested in education. You know, I think that's a big part of the reason why I got into psychology, uh, because you know, those two disciplines are so deeply intertwined. I've always been interested in technology from its communication standpoint. Uh, you know, Obviously, I love all things network and code you know, and programs and process, uh, but I think what, what really got me interested in a true technology route was probably just like many people, it was in the early 90s uh, when this new internet thing came about. And I saw that as a communications medium for people to connect and share ideas and, and at its foundation to learn. So I guess I'm going with this is that, you know, for me, technology, education, learning, it's all always been intertwined. Um, and I think some of that was also driven by the fact that I, I, I believe I'm the product of a series of outstanding teachers um, that just instilled a love of learning in me. So as new tech, later in life, as, as I found new technologies and new capabilities, it just seemed like a, a natural big ball of connectedness.
0: Where does WordPress fit into this?
2: Ah, where does <laughs> word WordPress? Well, I guess I should start with our WordPress story. We began using WordPress here at Penn Manor in uh, approximately 2007, 2008. Um, I began looking for simplistic tools for our teachers to create websites. Um, and again, I suspect that is not very atypical, that's probably how many people first arrived at, at tools such as WordPress. So we began using it internally in select sites uh, for select uh, building um, uh, web pages. Um, I brought up our, our Pen Manor technology site on WordPress initially. Uh, we discovered it to be ridiculously easy to use. It took all of the heavy lifting away from our teachers and it caught on like, wow. Outfire. So within a couple years, we, we started expanding, uh, and many of our classroom teachers began using WordPress. We expanded to our school websites, all using WordPress. And by about 2010, uh, we had brought up all of our school buildings and the vast majority of our teacher web pages on WordPress sites. Trying to think back at that time, I think that was still when uh, WordPress multi site was split out as a separate project I'm kind of a little bit fuzzy on the dates as to when that happened, but we actually started on WordPress multi-site. I'm sorry, WordPress MU before it became multi-site. And then later when the projects uh, merged, we just, uh, we went in that direction.
1: That's really neat. That's really, that's neat. That's going old school. Uh, Charlie, I want to, I want to touch on one other thing that, um, that that you and I have talked about before. We've known each other uh, a few years now through the open source communities in and around our corner of Pennsylvania. And one of the things that's always struck me about, about Penn Manor under your leadership, and I know you just lead the IT section, but um, is the way that you engage, the school district engages with the students via technology. And that's very, very different than the way My local school district does it here, where where my children go to school. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that and Mm -hmm. uh, why your school district made the decision to go where it has, what it's actually doing, and what are some of the, the benefits you're finding by going the way you are, if you would, please? Sure, sure.
2: We are not your typical district in terms of our technology programs. I should probably provide some context. I guess the place to start is that we, uh, from a from a technology and a software standpoint, uh, we we believe very, <laughs> we believe in open source principles, and we believe that those open source principles um, should extend to our students' technology devices. Uh, we are one of the few districts, I believe, in the country that are using Linux laptops with our students. Uh, we have a one to one technology program. Um, in grades four through 12, where each one of our students receives a laptop running running Linux and open source software exclusively. Um, And we push that even further. Um, Students have those laptops, but another thing that we do differently is we allow our students to have root-level access to those laptops. And that differs from most districts across the country that will take devices and lock them down and restrict what students can do with that device, but Our philosophy here, not only in my department, but across um, the leadership at at Penn Manor and our our principals, is that we wanna give students the opportunity to be able to tinker and explore, uh, to lift the hood of those devices and and discover computing. And we found the best way to do that is is to lift many of the restrictions that you would typically find on a school laptop and allow students to directly interact, tinker, and experiment with their school-owned devices. Charlie, I'm just going to interject and, and talk a little bit about root access and clarify that.
1: That really just means that the students can do whatever they want. So if they want to add programs, they can add programs. If they want to delete programs, they can delete programs. If they want to install a, an extension on Firefox or Chrome, they can do that. Although I don't know that those run on Linux necessarily. But they, they have complete control, so it's not... For example, a standard school district where you says you can use these eight programs in these ways and can only communicate
2: via these systems. They can really do whatever they want with it. Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. Um, now, there are obviously we have policies around responsible use of technology. Um, that's not to say that that we don't uh, provide uh, and enforce web filtering, you know, for sites that students obviously should not be visiting. Um, so all of those rules and policies apply, you know, security, password management, you know, not stealing someone else's ID. Um, but, but as you said, you know, the, the core, really the core of our program is that students have incredible levels of autonomy on their devices. Um, with Root Access, they are, local, they are local admins. So if they want a program, they can install it. Um, they have full access to the command line. Um, if they want to run a local uh, LAMP stack and run WordPress, they could do that on their machines. So our philosophy has been to give our students as much control and agency over the devices. And again, as, as you noted, that's, that's very dissimilar from most districts that, yeah. that highly restrict what, what students can do on their device. And, and that just doesn't fit our model of education and, and open learning.
0: That's fascinating. Do you find a lot of kids take advantage of that? Do you have a disproportionately <laughs> high number of, of kids coming out, uh, coding and things like that because they have that access?
2: See now, that's an interesting question because you you would hope we would hope that more and more students would take advantage of it, but in some ways it's a little depressing. What we're finding is that very few students understand the power that they have in their hands. Yeah, you know, and that's in spite of us trying to help educate them about what they can do and the capabilities that they've been given. I, I sort of have a running theory on that, and I think as our technology is becoming more simplified, it's it's moving students further and further away from the raw materials of a computer and computing. Mm -hmm. And they just don't understand that they have, again, the autonomy, the agency, the, the ability to go in and and play with the dials. You know, some of that I think is, is in our tablets and our cell phones, you know, we're removed, you know, all of the interface is so abstracted from the, you know, the, the, what undergirds the computer, you know, the raw programs, the raw operating system, you know, console games, PC games, you know, our our technology tools are becoming very app specific and I think we're losing something in that. And that is the ability to, to again, lift the hood, to go deeper and really understand, you know, computers and operating systems and code and and essentially all of those powerful forces that are making decisions on, on our behalf and on our students' behalf. Yeah. That
0: doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. We've spoken to a number of people on this show who are you know of the a little bit older generation maybe in their 30s and 40s who tell stories of being in middle and high school and taking apart computers and putting them back together and doing lots of stuff that I know for myself having children who are recently finishing school that that was never anything that was popular to do or I didn't know any kids who do that and I I think what you're describing in terms of the way that technologies used now is is taking people away from that. How many students are in your school district? Uh,
2: we have about 5400 students uh, that's K through 12. Yeah, our composition is we have seven elementary schools two middle schools and one one high school facility.
0: yeah that's a pretty small district relative I guess yeah too.
2: Yeah. yeah it's interesting for, for Pennsylvania we're large because there's there's a number of school districts that are under 2,000 students. Um, but relative you know relative speak, relatively speaking, you know as you look out across Pennsylvania, we realize you know we obviously don't compare to a school district of Philadelphia or you know a Harrisburg school district or you know or the others.
0: Are you involved in the local WordPress community, or do you have your students get involved? And in, do you know if any of them are? I know Lancaster does have a a vibrant community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've been involved in the Lancaster WordPress community for a number of years. Um, yeah, I've, I've helped, I've been involved with WordCamp Word Lancaster. Um, I've spoken at WordCamp Lancaster. Um, you know, I, I, I love the local, it's just a terrific local community that we have. Um, I try to get out, you know, to the Philadelphia region as much as possible. Um, you know, so yeah, I, obviously I try to speak, you know, I, I try to support it as, as best I can, you know, given my schedule. Um, but I think the second question is more interesting, You know, how can we get more students involved? And that's, that's just proven to be difficult. Uh, our students have been involved for the past decade or so as content creators, but, but moving them beyond uh, using WordPress at Penn Manor to maintain our high school newspaper or maintain a classroom site or maintain a site for our one-to-one help desk, our student help desk, um, that's just eluded us. Some of that are the restrictions of of time and where we can get that to fit into the curriculum, and some of it is just you know the development or the time effort that it takes to um, bring students you know, up to speed, really, to be able to understand a more complicated application like WordPress. We keep working at it, though. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's it's a
1: challenge. There's there's a lot of aspects to get in there. And Charlie, I want to, I want to ask you one of our questions that we like to ask all of our guests and it's around success. And I wonder if I, you can share with us your definition of success, whether that's a personal definition, a professional definition, or maybe a mix of mix of two.
2: Hmm. On a personal level, success for me is, it's pretty simple. I have a terrific wife and daughter and I, I, that is success. You know, um, So I'm very fortunate in my personal life. Um, On a professional level, you know, I I feel successful when I know that I've helped our students reach their potential. And I think a big part of that is helping students discover both what they're capable of and also what they may fall in love with. You know, I think a a large part of our job as educators is, is not just simply around curriculum and content, but it's, it's around introducing students to ideas, um, you know pointing them in new directions. You know I think I've been successful, as I said before, is because along the way, I've had amazing teachers that saw I may have an interest and, and they just fed that interest or gave me the space to explore and the space to learn. Um, so now as an adult and working you know, with students and, and teachers as well, I try to create, those environments for, for, for our kids and introduce them just to to new things and new ideas. That to me is success. If I can act as, you know, a learning and a knowledge mentor, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. I can imagine that to,
1: to see the, the eyes of a child light up when they get it, or they start to imagine, well, if, if A is true and B is true, and I just learned C, oh my gosh, what about D, E, and F? That's, that's, that must be really rewarding. That must yeah. be really re- rewarding. And I love the simplicity of your, your personal definition. I have a wonderful wife and daughter. Success. <laughs> I love it. Success. It's, I love it. I love it. <laughs> what more I love can it. we ask for, right? You know, we, you know we
2: have partners and, and great kids. Yeah, I mean.
1: That's fantastic. I want, I want to ask you if you can share with us. And You might need a minute to think, so I'll try to stretch this question out. You've talked about success as helping a child, a student, reach their potential or see their potential or understand it. And I wonder if you have an example or two of a child who just absolutely blew your mind when maybe you opened the door a half an inch, so to speak, or whatever that analogy is. And that child
2: went somewhere that you just, wow, wow, wow. Something like that. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to probably rattle off a couple examples. Go ahead. Uh, we recently had a student who was working as part of our one-to-one help desk that was at a conference a little bit over a year ago. It was the Central Pennsylvania Open Source Conference. He heard a talk on software-defined radio. Um, so essentially capturing you know radio waves over the air and, and processing them. And he was so inspired by one of the speakers that as he was working with the help desk, that's the project he wanted to work on uh, as part of our one-to-one help desk course. It's really like a work study at our our high school. Um, So I I gave him the space to run. Uh, Gina Kostelich, who is the the day-to-day student mentor at the help desk, gave him the space to run. We gave him some materials. And he was so interested in this and and so dead set on capturing uh, satellites as they were passing over the earth, that he created this little satellite capture rig that he threw into a backpack. And he was in the evenings when he was on his work breaks, he was running outside, trying to capture those satellite passes. Um, He was looking for the NOAA weather satellites. So he was so consumed and this is just what he wanted to do. He got close, he didn't get a really clean satellite pass, but that was that was just terrific to to see him run and just to see him fall in love with this whole concept of you know pulling radio waves down over the air and, and being able to capture them. Um, so it's it's projects like that. Uh, we had a couple of students recently that were working with the with ROS. That's the robot operating system, and they were working on. We challenged them to create a self-driving car uh, with a little robot called the TurtleBot, and that was a terrifically complicated project. Uh, but watching those students just stick with that and work with that and persevere and just completely struggle with with an incredibly complicated open source set of software to make that work, that was another great example. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, recently, <laughs> we had another student. Um, I love this one. This was a student that, that joined our course who had never touched Blender before. Uh, Blender is a 3D modeling program. Um, open source 3D modeling program. Again, terrifically complicated. She never thought that she would be able to make anything work uh, animation-wise inside this program. And at the end of the course, she had a working model that she was just beaming with excitement. Uh, so there's just so many examples. Uh, one other one. Uh, we had a student who, <laughs> if I may. If I please may, do. One Please more. do, please uh, do. You know, a student who, her passion is role-playing games. And um, she created essentially her own Roll Twenty. Um, if you're not familiar with that, Roll Twenty is an online tool for managing uh, role-playing games. And she was just so fascinated by uh, creating her own system that she built her own col- her own code and uh, and released it as open source on GitHub for others to start using. And I knew that she was that she was deeply involved in the project, and that she was completely consumed because she was she was responding to questions via GitHub over the summer. Um, you know, so you know, how many students do you know that are working on their school projects in that's the middle amazing.
0: of July? That's amazing.
2: So we should have a whole separate podcast on student examples. Yeah, that's <laughs> but I'll leave it with cool. just those four. That
0: is really cool. What I guess on the not not to be like a downer, but what what's the biggest challenge that you face?
2: yeah yeah um i think our challenges our challenges are the same as most every school it's finding a balance between our resources our time and uh, what the state says what our curriculum demands that we do you know and that's and that's it is challenging right because we want to make sure that we that we provide a well-rounded education for our students Um, you know but how do you balance you know getting all of the requirements in but at the same time giving our students that space to, to play and run and explore. And we just, we all in education find that very challenging. You know, we, we tend to be a mile wide with our curriculum, but unfortunately only an inch deep. You know, and we keep jamming more and more information, you know, in, into, into our curriculum. And, and it gets tough when you just know that students wanna run with these projects and spend a day or two or three doing nothing but coding or exploring a robot. You know, so how do you, you know, so how do you balance that? That's, that's truly the challenge.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that for teachers where this child wants to go deep on this subject, whether it's a math or a history and it's, yeah, that's great. But by Tuesday, we're on to the next chapter because we've got to cover the next battle or the next war, the next economic uh,
2: focus. Uh,
0: Yeah. Teaching for the test.
2: Yeah. You know, and what do you do? Because everything's important. You know, it's not like math isn't important. It's, it's, you know, science is obviously important. So as, as we jam more and more into the curriculum, it gets harder and harder to make decisions about what is the most important. Oh, and by the way, we want to provide students space and time to work on personally meaningful projects. Yeah, it's tough.
0: Yeah. Are the kids stressed out more than they used to be as a result?
2: Oh, I think absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm just—I'm uh, not going to guesstimate on on the ages of the folks in this in this call at the moment, but you know, I will. I'll go first and and sort of date myself. I'm I'm in, I'm in my mid forties, and you know, I for those of us in this um, general age range, I think many of us would would discover that education is a very very different place you know, from what it was when, when we were younger. And, and I think there, there are many, many more stressors on kids. In fact, without a doubt, there are many more stressors on kids, you know, not only a, a complicated de- um, wide curriculum um, but just society's more complicated. Yeah. And it, it, it stresses our kids. There's yeah. no question about that.
0: I think we often think that they have it easier because there is all this technology right at their fingertips, but mm-hmm. it, that may be in some ways, um, it it may make some things easier, but the mental stress of having social media all the time and mm-hmm. and all those things, I think we may underestimate that. There's a lot written about it, but it is, I know, I would. Yeah, well
2: that's well that. that's huge, and and that's another you know, that's another problem we didn't have to contend with when we were kids, right? You know, now our lives are publicly broadcast all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can't and I can't imagine. I mean, speaking for myself only, you know, I can't imagine if some of the silly things that I did as a kid. Were potentially on public display, you know, and I don't think I did anything that bad, but I mean, but who, you know, everything in out of context. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a whole level of pressure that those of us that aren't growing up today just, just don't understand.
0: Yeah. I, w- I would not want to be growing up today for that reason. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, when we were growing up, not everybody went to college and now the, I have no idea the percentage wise, but so many, such a greater percentage of high school graduates go to college, and I can only imagine that that ups the competition for those spaces but let me let me let me change gears a little bit back towards um, towards WordPress if I can and um, charlie i 'm going to ask you a big question uh, and and just maybe just pick your brain just a little bit is is what is what can the WordPress community do to engage the students in a way that that you are struggling. You've mentioned you know, that you struggled to get them to do content or to get involved with that because it's a, a more involved system, um, at least on a wider level. And you said that not a lot of the students are engaged with their local WordPress community. And okay, some of that's just going to be the naturing of schedules and high school versus working adults. But what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a challenge. I should probably back up and talk a little bit about how school districts operate and just websites in general. You know, early on I mentioned we do things <laughs> differently here. Uh, WordPress doesn't typically feature in public schools. The reason for that I think is twofold. Um, public schools at the, you know, at the, at the executive decision level, well, well let, me, let me back up. I'll start here. Public schools often have no idea that WordPress even exists. And I think that's really the root of the problem. Um, schools tend to make decisions based on what everyone else is doing. And most of the policymakers and decision makers don't understand open source software in general, you know, and open development communities, let alone individual applications and platforms like WordPress. So just, just circling, you know, just if you want to get at the, at the root cause of that, education and awareness, is the place to start. Um, teachers just they they don't know WordPress. You know, even even some of our teachers today, even though we explain, well, we're on a WordPress site and and all that, they just know they go to make a web page. So I think getting, you know, and we try to do that in our work, to, to talk a lot about open source software in general, obviously WordPress and other tools, um, just just to to educate other school district administrators and superintendents and boards. So I think that's really the place to start because once the district is educated, then teachers can make more informed decisions about the tools that they're using. So I think that's probably that that's probably the answer, but it's also the largest challenge. Um, yeah, increased because,
1: exposure can be a challenge to yeah. get the attention and, and hold it and and come back to it often enough.
2: Yeah, if, and, and it's tough too. If you know if you put yourself in, in the position of, you know, I'm fortunate here. We have a, we have a very open collaborative leadership team. Um, You know, our superintendent, assistant superintendents, you know, we, you know, I believe we're very open to new ideas. Um, But not every district is like that. Most most boards and most superintendents, most IT directors, you know, the leadership team is going to be looking at what other schools are buying. And often they're buying prepackaged off-the-shelf web toolkits because it checks the box. Okay, well, we know we need to have a website, right? Let's outsource that to a company that quote unquote specializes in school websites likely that is their own whatever you know custom software package and again they just check the box that's off the list you know yeah i, I,
1: I see that a lot and that's uh well, that's a whole nother podcast right there, isn't it? Yes.
0: I have yes. a friend who's a teacher and I, I hear all the time complaints about the different things. I think some of their stuff is WordPress and all the different kinds of Blackboard, Canvas, all these different things that the schools try out and they have to learn something new very frequently. So I think it's it's a challenge. You can't please everybody and people learn different ways too. So, right.
2: You know, for us, just to kind of pull it back to, to us very specifically, I can can give you an example. For schools to purchase a web platform uh, for their students, for their school buildings, for their district, um, you could be looking at a school of our size easily $20,000 a year. I mean, there's no question, and that would obviously be whatever hosted package is out there. Um, You know, We've been on WordPress now for well over 10 years, so I look at that as every year we're saving approximately $20,000, and those cost savings for us have stacked immensely. You know, every time that I choose an open source software package and, and it fits our needs, you know whether it be WordPress or Moodle or you know many of the other tools that we run here, I, I tend to look at those cost savings as a way to just to to to, to fund our teachers, right? You know, so you know twenty thousand dollars is a huge chunk of a teacher salary. You know, so I look at it. Obviously, WordPress is a terrific platform. You know, we all—I mean, that's without question. Uh, but at the same time, you know, for schools. WordPress is a tremendous gift, both in its, in its flexibility and its capability, but also as a massive cost savings, uh, you know, for, for public education. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Charlie, we've got a couple of minutes left here, and I, I want to ask you about advice. And the focus of the question is really advice that you've received. What's the best advice that you've received or read or found and successfully implemented
2: in your life? I actually want to tell a story because the advice that I received that is most, it was not someone taking me aside and saying, Hey, Charlie, try this. Or did you think about this or or, don't do that? Or you should do this. I think my best advice came in the form of an opportunity that an elementary teacher provided me uh, when I was, when I was very young. So my first, The first subject that I ever fell in love with was astronomy, and I'm still a big astronomy buff. But when I was in elementary school, I was absolutely convinced I was going to go to Cornell University. I was going to study astrophysics. That was what I was going to do. And I had a teacher in elementary school. um, Her name is Peg McCain, who saw my love and saw me talking about this and saw that I was reading up on astronomy. And I just I just couldn't get enough of it and talked about it during science. She saw that I had this interest, and she gave me the opportunity to present a, a miniature lecture on the solar system to fellow students in uh, fellow students. I'm sorry, fellow sixth grade students. That was life altering for me, you know, and and I didn't really. Maybe I got it then as as an elementary student, but you know, later in life, I realized how profound that was because she gave me the space and the time and I don't know, she just believed that, hey, we have a kid who's really interested. Let's not, let's, let's, let's remove the barriers from him talking about this. So I think it was just, it was, it wasn't advice so much as, hey, I trust you. What you have to say is important. You have a voice, you have an interest and just go for it. And there I was standing up in front of, I don't know, a hundred kids talking about the solar system.
0: What a great story. I love hearing stories about teachers like that and the ones that we remember years later. I always, uh, yeah, when I think about my friends who are teachers, I always think what a great gift they will have one day when they're old and retired and, and they think about how many children's lives they had an impact on yeah, in a good okay. way. It's a great, rewarding thing.
2: It really is. You know, I don't know that we so much remember what people say to us, you know, as as we do how they make us feel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that's what I really remember. It wasn't what she Good said point. so much as just the, the feeling of empowerment that I had.
0: Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and for definitely.
2: for a young kid, you know, that's, that's that's world-altering, you know, that what you have to say is important and you can do this and just go for it. And, and, it, and it wasn't any specific line or phrase. Mm-hmm. It was just we're going to allow you to get up in front of your peers and give a lecture on astronomy. Like who does that? You know, well, this teacher had the courage to do it and and I I just absolutely never forget that.
0: I love that line that it doesn't matter. You don't remember so much the words people said, but how they make you feel. Mm -hmm. What a great way to wrap up the show today because we are out of time, but I really love that. And I'm glad we're taking that away as our final thought. Thank you so much for joining us today, Charlie, and sharing your story and all that you're doing in your school district. Where can people find you online? Sure.
2: Uh, on Twitter, I am Charlie3. Uh, you can also find the Penn Manor Technology website at technology.penmanor.net. And if you are interested in all things open uh, in schools, you can check out uh, my website, The Open Schoolhouse. And I did write a book <laughs> about that. Um, so again, if you're interested in schools and technology, that's, uh, I, I hope that would prove to be a useful resource.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much, Thank Charlie. What a, what a great time to, to spend with you. Thanks for your time this afternoon. I appreciate it. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did.
0: If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com.
1: Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.